0: Uh, there's ambulances now and, and all the personnel I'm watching. It was a, uh, a huge, huge boom. That's former Toronto resident Steve Epstein speaking to me by phone from his apartment in Ashkelon, Israel, just moments after a rocket attack hit a house across the road from where he and his family now live. The Epsteins had fled to a nearby shelter when the air raid sirens ran off in the Afradar neighborhood of Ashkelon. Reports say Palestinian rockets fired from the Gaza Strip hit 14 targets in Ashkelon on Wednesday, including an empty school. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, May 12, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. We'll have more from Steve a little later in the show about what it's been like for him living under the latest surge of violence in Israel this week. But first, the MS St. Louis saga. It's the 82nd anniversary today of the beginning of the ill-fated voyage in 1939 of the famous wartime passenger ship full of 900 plus German refugees fleeing Hitler's persecution of European Jewry. Coming up, we'll hear from a Canadian woman whose family was on the St. Louis about how her family survived after Canada and others turned the ship away. Mr. Speaker,
1: today I rise in this House of Commons to issue a long overdue apology To the Jewish refugees, Canada turned away. That was
0: Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in November of 2018. He stood up in the House of Commons and formally apologized for the MS St. Louis affair. After the ship's passengers were not permitted to get off either in Cuba or the United States, the ship's captain sailed north towards the eastern seaboard of Canada. But the government of Mackenzie King famously said, None is too many when they were asking how many Jewish refugees they would accept. The St. Louis returned to Europe and of the 900 plus Jews on board, about 200 did not survive Hitler's final solution. The rest spent the war in England or in other countries, including Gilda Spitz's in-laws. Gilda joins us now. Hi, Gilda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great to have you. Gilda, set the scene for us. Who were your relatives who were involved in the St. Louis story?
1: Gilda's a story of my husband's father, aunt, and grandmother.
0: Okay, where were they living? And, and you know what were their circumstances they could afford to get out?
1: They came from a city called Breslau in Eastern Germany. Actually, that city is now part of Poland, not Germany. And um, George Spitz, who was uh, Peter's grandfather, was a wealthy businessman. And I wouldn't say outrageously wealthy, but okay. Um, many, many years later, when he came to Canada, he started a business Uh, with uh, ladies clothing and he was in a similar kind of business when he was in uh, Germany. So uh, when they realized that things were bad in Germany and obviously the turning point for many people was Kristallnacht in November 1938, um, he started looking for uh, a safe place to go and they learned about a ship that was leaving Germany and was accepting Jewish passengers in May of 1939. So he started to make all the arrangements. Uh, part of the story here is that he decided to go ahead of his, of his wife and two kids. He wanted to go to Cuba ahead of them so that he could uh, find a place to live and get settled before they arrived. So he went to Cuba two weeks ahead of his family and they followed him. So he went at the end of April on a different ship and his wife, daughter and son left Germany on the St. Louis on May 13th, 1939.
0: Now, um, they departed, they went across the ocean, everybody was happy. You've all seen the the film, the Hollywood film, right? Uh, Voyage of the Damned, uh, where there's dances and romances and a nice captain, and it was like a whole festive relief. But then they sailed into Havana Harbor and they learned that Cuba was not going to accept their visas.
1: Yes, but George, arrived two weeks earlier when, before this law was enacted. So he was allowed into Cuba, two weeks later, the rest of them were not.
0: All right, so he's there, he finds out that, you know, he can't even see them waving to him, I guess, on, from, the, from the harbor, he must've been going out of his mind.
1: Uh, I have photos of um, little boats in the harbor where the, the friends and relatives who were already in Havana went in these tiny little boats up to the great big ship, and they're kind of waving, they're looking up straight above their heads, trying to see their loved ones at the railing. So how did uh, your George and, and his family, so
0: your your in-laws and, and grandparents, um, survive and matchly get to
1: Canada? So very, very fortunately, just before the ship arrived in Antwerp, there was a committee on the ship asking, which of these four countries do you want to go? And Vera Spitz, who is uh, my husband's grandmother, said she wants to go to England. She and her children wanted to go to England, and that turned out to be the safest place.
0: How did they get together after the war?
1: Um, George was still in Cuba, and Vera was in London with her with her kids. Somehow they kept in touch, and. I'm going to assume by letters, we don't know for sure, but somehow once he knew that his family was in London, he found a way to sail back across the Atlantic and he joined his family in London and that's where they spent the war years. And how
0: did uh, they come to Canada?
1: Um, They stayed over the war years. Actually, George served in the British army and when Eric was old enough, he did too. When he arrived in, in England, he was 14, but by the end of the war, he was old enough. And so they both served in the British army and Eric, and his sister Ushi both met their their future husband and wife in London. So after the war, they applied to come to Canada. It was a larger family by then with with in-laws and whatever and the entire extended family came to Canada in 1948 and 49 and settled in Toronto.
0: You were at that ceremony when the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he stood up in the House of Commons and he apologized. It took nearly 80 years. How did the survivors and their families view the value of this apology?
1: Some of us were very skeptical about the whole idea. Like, it's just a lot of words, you know, like, he's just going to stand up and say something, who cares? But. I believe that that most of us came away feeling very, I'm not sure if the word is vindicated, but at least accepted that, that this is an important story that people need to know about. And this was an important thing for the, the prime minister to do.
0: And that's all the time we have for this show. Thanks, Gilda, for bringing the story of your family's journey and the ill-fated MS St. Louis as we mark the 82nd anniversary. <laughs> And back to the situation in Israel now. B'nai B'rith Canada has asked local police forces to crack down on anti-Israel street protests going on across the country because they violate COVID rules about large gatherings, but also to enforce the rules about hate speech. B'nai B'rith says 100 people attended a protest earlier this week outside the Israeli consulate in Toronto, but no one was arrested or fined. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. I'm Ellen Besner, and you can reach me at ebesner at CJN.ca. Please subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app, or listen every day on the cjn.ca website where we post them. We'll close now with Steve Epstein speaking to me from Ashkelon, just before the power went out, about what it was like to watch the rocket Hit his street. Uh, we saw a big plume of smoke after uh, we came out of our shelter, and uh, the tremendous uh, loud noise. Uh, we live in Afarad, which is uh, an old, um,
1: built in fifties by the South African Jewish community,
0: and um, we live in an apartment. And we are watching right now, and um, hopefully um, the results are not uh, bad. <coughs> We don't know if anybody was in the house that was hit, but it was, um, it's very, i like, literally, I'm looking at it. It's um, a two minute walk from our house. And uh, <clears throat> you know, there's cars on the street. There's, you can hear sirens. Police uh, have a loudspeaker. They are telling
1: people to do something we couldn't hear clearly. Um, and uh, we can see the red flashing lights of emergency personnel. Uh, they, they probably blocked uh, traffic um, to keep people away so the emergency personnel can get through.